Luke chapter 7 this morning. We'll begin reading in verse 48, read down to verse 15. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him begin to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. We find in the Bible several different stories concerning Christ and being anointed. Don't confuse them. They're not one and the same story. Here we have in the house of one Pharisee, Simon by name. Christ has come. He's being hosted. And obviously a man of wealth and of importance. And not, not so much a private invitation or a private party, but more of a block party and People were coming in. We see a woman here that comes in, verse 37 says, which was a sinner, highlighting not just the average sinner, but one that was known for her debauchery, one that was known for her sin, and one that just her mere presence creates an awkwardness. You know Mideastern customs and just the fact that this woman, this woman came and as they were sitting there, she brings in this alabaster box, which is going to be very noticeable, and everyone is wondering, what is she going to do with this? Usually brought to the scene of a funeral or a wedding, this was neither, and uh, she stands behind him. Now, it, in those days, they would sit around the table, and uh, they would put their feet behind them, and she comes up behind the Lord Jesus Christ, Weeping, most, most men and women are very different by nature, but women don't mind making a scene. Men don't like a scene. Men like to stand visible and those that they're with to stand visible. And this woman was not going to remain invisible. She was very, just, just the fact of who she was was bringing attention. The box she was carrying and then her placement because this whole event was surrounding this, what they thought was a religious teacher. Obviously, many of them did not realize he was the actual Messiah, God in the flesh, the Savior of mankind. But then the scene only gets more dramatic. So there she stands at first, weeping uncontrollably, verse 38, and then she begins to wash his feet with tears. Now that takes a lot of tears to wash someone's feet. I don't know about you, I like my private space. I, I don't want someone in my private space, but I especially don't want them touching my feet. Not with their tears, not with their hands, not with their hair. And all of this is taking place. You can, you can see, you know, when guys are in this kind of spot, they find themselves there, they're looking at each other like, who's going who's gonna to provide the solution here? Jesus has an answer for everything. Surely he has an answer for this. There she is making a scene. Then, then she starts, verse 38, to kiss his feet. It, you know, it, I don't think that when we read scripture, we actually put ourselves in the middle of the scene. Now, now put yourself there. You're eating. You're present. You're watching. These are not your feet. Thankfully, these are not your feet. <laughs> This is someone else. But the awkwardness for everyone involved, she didn't care about the awkwardness. And there was a deep love here, an appropriate love, the love of someone who had been forgiven of a life 
of wicked, Amen. obvious sin. And the humility here, because I wonder this morning how many would show up if those around you knew of your most secret and wicked sin. Everyone in the community, not all the details, but they knew of her life, her lifestyle, and her sin, her most wicked and obvious sins had had been made known in the community. And when she walked in the door, that's why everyone paused for a moment. But if, if this church, if everyone here knew of your sins and your past and that thing that you try to keep hidden from even your closest friends, would you bother to walk in the door? This is a level of humility I don't think we can quite comprehend. She didn't care what they thought, obviously. This is great love. This is great devotion. My own wife has never washed my feet with her <laughs> tears or dried them with her hair or kissed them or even anointed them with oil. Don't laugh because your wife has not done that favor for you either. Now when the Pharisee, verse 39, which had put all this together, bidden him, he saw it. Now he spake within himself. Now if you don't want to hear Christ to hear what you're saying, don't think it. Because it didn't come out of his mouth. It simply went through his mind and he thought what probably several others in the room thought. This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what man or woman this is. This is a harlot from the street. This is a woman with a bad reputation. This is a person that we don't even want at our party. And, and now that she's made everything so much more scandalous, we just wish she would become invisible or leave of her own free will. But Jesus, hold on for a second, answered his thought. He said to him, Simon, I have, I have somewhat to send to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. Now, once again in these stories, these parables, don't get caught up in the pence. But if that were a, a day's wage and one owed a year and a half uh, worth of, of wage and the other one owed a couple months worth of wage, maybe, maybe one owed... Uh, the, the, the difference in the debt here was like the difference in the debt of a car and a house. So, so one man basically owed on a Volkswagen and, and the other one owed on a house in Circle C. So the, the debt was incredibly different in nature. But hold on, they had something in common. It says the one owed 500, the other 50, and when they, they both had what? They had, they had nothing, absolutely nothing to pay. He frankly forgave them both. Now, Here's what we want to talk about this morning is the subject of forgiveness and God's forgiveness because I think even among Christians there's a great misunderstanding concerning God's forgiveness. And we're talking about wiping the slate clean, pardoning, canceling or erasing the debt. Now here's what Christ is making very obvious, number one, in this story is that every single man on this earth desperately needs forgiveness. The difference is some don't realize how much they need to be forgiven and others do. And in this room, you have one humble woman who was not justifying who she was. It was very painfully obvious to her, uh, her sin. And here's what's taking place in our modern society. It doesn't matter the depths of depravity of man. It, it, 
that that sin can always be justified in if it's mom or society in general or the Supreme Court. Man today doesn't need forgiveness because he's been told that's not really sin at all. That's not actually even immoral. That doesn't offend God and it certainly doesn't offend us. So you don't need to feel bad about it, much less seek forgiveness. And just like, don't, don't think that the Pharisees in this group of people suddenly died off 2,000 years ago. Pharisaical people have lived for thousands of years. And today churches are full of them. Society is full of them. So Simon thinks, I, I don't need much forgiveness. And Christ's going to make it painfully obvious that, yes, every man in this room needs forgiveness. That's why he said they both had what? Nothing. How many understand you have nothing to pay? You know why many people are in church this morning? Because they think they're paying off. Do you, do you remember Matthew 18, another story concerning forgiveness? And, and it talks about this incredible debt, 10,000 talents. And, and for, for, the, for the Jews in their monetary system, that's as high as the numbers went, 10,000 and a talent. That, that was the biggest measure that they had concerning money. So Christ was saying, as much as I can get in your mind, that's how much was owed. And you know what that man still said that couldn't pay that debt? There was no way over the course of 50 lifetimes he could have paid that debt. But in his pride, what did he say? What was his plea? Have patience. And the man said, I'm not going to have patience with you. I'm going to have pardon. And you know what most people are doing today is they feel our church pews. They're walking with God and saying, God, uh, I'm gonna, if you establish a payment plan, I'll pay off the debt that I owe you because it's not that much. And God is saying, patience isn't going to work. Because if you had 500 lifetimes, you couldn't pay off your debt of sin. And the only, the only problem with man is not the one is better and one is worse. Is the one understands in humility how great his debt is and his inability to pay and his need for a pardon. While the other one says, I'm fine and I'll, I'll pay in, in monthly payments, a church attendance and goodness to my family and uh, showing some kind of hospitality to others, and surely that's acceptable. And God says, no, the two debtors, uh, their debt might have been a little bit different, but both of them had absolutely nothing to pay. Look what it says in Romans. Go with me quickly, Romans 3. Here is the nature of man revealed in Scripture. Romans 1 through 3 is a mirror of man, his rebellion against God. His need for forgiveness. Look what it says, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. Not a single man, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. Do you understand what God is trying to tell us? There is not a man with a pen in his pocket or anything, anything acceptable to God whereby he could pay his debt. That's why it says, verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law saith. It saith to them who are under the law, that, what's the conclusion? Every mouth may be stopped. Isn't it amazing we have today in this building some uh, who are guilty 
and don't understand it and others who are guilty and have simply begged for pardon. But that group that doesn't understand their need for forgiveness has said, God, I'm going to please you. And God said, you can't. You have nothing to pay whereby you could please me. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become what? Guilty. Here's, here's the problem. God talks about our trespasses and sins. We've all trespassed against God. We've broken his law. We've broken his boundaries of right and wrong. Years ago, when I was just a kid, we just moved to Austin, Texas. A man came to church, one of the most proficient fishermen I've ever seen. He lived, he'd, he'd wake up in the morning to fish. He'd go to bed at night fishing. And he, he bought me a fishing pole, took me with him, uh, but he was constantly finding ponds. That was before Austin had grown from here to Waco and San Antonio, and there was actually empty plots of ground in between. But I remember one day we loaded up, and he said, I found a new pond, and this is an incredible place to fish. We pulled up to the gate, and he said, go ahead and get out and open. I walked up, and it had a no trespassing sign. <laughs> and I said, uh, you got permission from the owner? He said, uh, no, but don't worry about it. It's really not a big deal. Well, I was a young kid with a clear conscience, a clean conscience, and it bothered me. Uh, he said, I got it all taken care of. So we went inside and fished. Well, it bothered me for a while, but after we started catching the fish, and, and big fish, and we, we were catching fish five, six pounds. I caught literally that day the biggest fish I'd, I'd ever caught in my, my life. And there we are with these stringers of fish. And suddenly we see this truck coming down this dusty road. And I thought, that's strange. There's just not much traffic on this road. And then he pulled up to the gate. And I said, oh, boy. I'm at least faster than the guy that I'm with. So maybe only one of us is going to have to go to jail. Dan said, hey, hey, take those fish, throw them in the back of the truck quickly. And he said, we may get in trouble, but he's not going to take our fish. And he threw the tarp over the top of it. He came over and he was not happy. He, he taught me some words that were not in my vocabulary up to that point. And he let us know that he was very unhappy about us being on the property. We drove off. Dan, on the way back, said, boy, that, that big one you caught, you can mount that one. And I said, no, because every time I look at it, it's going to remind me that we broke the law. We broke, it didn't bother him that we had broken the law. You know what, for most today, it doesn't bother them that they've broken God's law. It doesn't bother them that they've made God angry with their sin. It's something that's a habit, it's a custom, it's a way of life. They don't even realize they need forgiveness. Now go back with me to Luke chapter 7. Every man desperately needs forgiveness. Number two, don't misunderstand the loving words of Christ here when he said, thy sins are forgiven. In verse 48, forgiveness is not easy. God's forgiveness is not easy. Now, here's a confusion. We don't understand forgiveness, and forgiveness for man today is very flippant. There's a misnomer about a modern God in heaven that's an indulgent father that overlooks sin and says it's really not a big deal. But our God is holy, holy, holy. He cannot tolerate any sin. So when we talk about the sin here, this is Jesus Christ, the Savior. So in verse 39, when there's a discussion here, why would he say, and naturally so? Listen, if you saw someone and didn't understand that to be the Messiah, and they said, thy sins be forgiven you, you would say that's blasphemous. And simply what we understand, verse 49 is clarified, they that sat at meet with him begin to say within themselves, what? 
They're inviting the Messiah, God in the flesh, to eat with them. And they don't even know who he is. They said, who is this? They don't know. If they did know, it wouldn't be a problem. They would have no problem with him saying this phrase or making this statement to this woman, thy sins are forgiven. Now, here's, here's what you got to understand. When we talk about it, forgiveness, this is eliminating the debt. But you've got to understand, in order for this to be just, I, I can't walk up to Ernest with a mortgage payment and say, Ernest, I forgive you that debt because that's not owed to me. That would be unjust. Something that's outside of my boundaries. And if I were the owner of the house and his mortgage was owed to me, then I could say, I forgive you the debt. But that just means I cancel it for you and I assume the debt that you owe. This sin debt, Christ is the one that is authorized to say you're forgiven, not because forgiveness is easy, because he's going to go to Calvary. He's going to shed his blood. He's going to taste of hell. And let me just say this. Christ got no bargain at Calvary. He got no discount at Calvary. His soul was made an offering for sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says what? He who knew no sin. He became, became sin. That's why he had a taste of hell. He became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was paying our bill. He was assuming our debt. So this was not flippant. For them, it may have sounded flippant. Thy sins are forgiven thee. But no, he has the authority because he said, that debt that you owe, I'm going to assume, I'm going to pay it off. Because he was going to Calvary. They didn't understand that. Let me just say say this. Uh, Forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy for God. Think about this. Not easy for God. Can, Can you comprehend that statement? Uh, okay, so he's going to create the world. And he said, let there be light. And there's no moon. Let there be a moon, stars. What about trees? Let there be trees. Fig and orange and apple and ocean. Let's divide the waters and animals. We need those two. And man and woman and uh, the Red Sea. Oh, let, let that be parted. And for God, everything is fixed with a single phrase or a single word. Or a single thought, but not forgiveness. That's different. So when Christ sat there and said, Thy sins be forgiven, they had no idea God's redemptive plan, and this is His Son, and this means Calvary, and this means the shedding of blood, and this means 33 years out of heaven, and they don't understand this. Forgiveness is not easy. Christian, if it would help us this morning if we just focus for a minute on the difficulty because God didn't speak forgiveness into place and Christ did not just sit here and speak easy words to this woman. There was much yet to become and her sins would have to be paid for and Calvary was just around the corner. So what they thought was flippant and easy was exactly the opposite of that. And here's why, man uses those words so flippantly because he doesn't understand Bible forgiveness. 
we think of forgiveness by choice. I'm going to pick and choose who I forgive and why they forgive them and how much I forgive them. And if I ever forget. But this was not man's flipping forgiveness. This was divine forgiveness from God. Keep your finger here and go with me to Exodus 34. Exodus 34. So every man desperately needs forgiveness. And this forgiveness, divine forgiveness, is not easy. But let me say number three. It's completely just. Completely just. Look what it says in verse 6. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Look what it says. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Now, if this verse ended right there, we would have a problem. But God was making it very clear in his forgiveness, in his love, and in his mercy, there is also justice. Look what it says. He will by no means what? Clear the guilty. Now, hold on. Here's here's why the confusion in Luke chapter 7. They thought this man walks in. Here's a woman who's lived the most wicked, evil, despicable life that a person could live in our society. And you're just going to say the words, thy sins be forgiven thee and everything's okay because she washed your feet. No, no, no. She was not earning forgiveness because she washed his feet with her tears. No, she had been given by grace forgiveness, but it was just. Now, here's what we've seen, and this bothers people uh, over the past 18 months, and I don't want to throw politics in this, so don't get twisted for a moment, but you've seen just the United States favors one group of people and shows no favor to another group, but, but we had rioters and looters running rampant for a little while. And they were destroying buildings and stealing the merchandise and burning places in the inner city. And the government, for the most part, simply overlooked that. Why are people angry? Because that's unjust. What about the person that lost their store, their business, their merchandise? This crime was not committed against you. It was committed against them. So until there was restitution... Until things were made right, there should have been no forgiveness. There should have been justice. And here's what God does. Because sin, all sin is against God. All sin is against him personally. Because it's against him, he can decide. I will pay that and I will pay that in full. So when Christ looked at her and said, thy sins be forgiven thee, he was about ready to step up to Calvary and pay for all of her sin. That's justice in his forgiveness is just. Go back with me to Luke chapter 7. I want to see number 4. The forgiveness of God, the forgiveness this woman received, was complete. Now here's why I believe this was offensive, because... If Christ would have said, that lie you told a couple weeks ago, that's forgiven thee. But these people in this place had a pretty good idea of the lifestyle, not that she had lived on a day or a moment, but was living. And when Christ looked at her and said, thy sins be forgiven thee, they knew that he was saying, all your sins, no matter how dark your past, past, present, and future, from the cradle all the way to the grave, 
every evil that you have done. Now, if we truly understood forgiveness, we'd be a little bit happy this morning. Some of you would actually wake up this morning if you understood forgiveness. Because you have no one else in this room that'll forgive on the level that God forgives. Not a person. You say, I'm very forgiving. Wait till that person does something where you say, that's an uncrossable line. That's the dividing point. In marriage, it might be adultery. In the neighborhood, it might be murder. In what, whatever it is, whatever, for some, it's, it's simple. You didn't shake my hand on a Sunday morning, so that's unforgivable. You took my parking spot and sat in my, my pew, so in, I, from here on out, you cannot be forgiven. That's the unpardonable sin found in the, the gospel. Now, whatever that uncrossable line is, there is no one, including your mate, there is no one in this room that says there is no sin that you can commit that I will not forgive. But the sinless son of God sitting in this room with this woman said, thy sins, and here's why they're frustrated. They know, they know by his word, he didn't have to give an explanation. They know that this means complete forgiveness. And they're stumbling and bumbling around saying, okay, then you obviously don't know who this woman is because there's too much in her past to be forgiven. Psalms 103.3 says this, who forgiveth all thine iniquity. We sing the song, my sin not in part, but the whole, it is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you know why some of you in that song, you can't even say praise the Lord. You can't sing praise the Lord. You've never considered the debt that you owe, and you have nothing to pay. Now, the whole city knew what kind of woman this was, but they didn't know every detail of her sin. The person that just said, thy sins be forgiven thee, he knew every, he knew the thoughts of Simon when they were never spoken. It wasn't hidden, it, nothing, nothing was hidden from him. So when he said this, obviously, it was extremely complete. We're talking about the record of sin is forgiven. Now, now here's the problem. There are three records of sin. Number one, that's your conscience. So you, you know what you did, and you have a conscience, and you know it was wrong. Now, you try to stamp it off your conscience, but occasionally you remember something you did 20 years ago because that record is still written in your conscience. Then you have a record on earth. That's why the people that the city said, this, this woman's a sinner. That's why they all blushed when she walked in the door. That's why someone will say, well, you know, they've been divorced. He spent 10 years in prison. He was a druggie. You know what? You can sin and be forgiven that doesn't eliminate the record of your conscience. That doesn't eliminate the record on the earth. But hold on. There's another record. We're not going to turn there this morning. You know Revelation 20. There's going to be a judgment. And everybody's going to be judged according to the things that are written in the... you you got books with all your deeds. Everything you've ever did, done, thought, said. From the moment you were born to the moment you die, it's all recorded. Now, this record's important. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to nullify anything as far as your reputation, your testimony, what man knows about you or your conscience. But I'm saying the one that determines your eternal destiny, the one that God knows and he determines heaven or hell, forgiveness means there is an eliminating of this record. There is a pardon. There is something that is 
officially and permanently deleted. Have you ever gotten a ticket and then the police officer said, if you take this course, you do this, or if you do nothing at all, within three years, it'll disappear from your record. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, you know, if you take this class, you do this, and what kind of measure? We're going to wait about three years. If you don't get another ticket, if you don't get another warning, if you don't do anything else stupid, maybe we'll... Aren't you glad that God didn't put any conditions on that? He just said that forgiveness eliminates all the... I mean, he wipes it clean. You, you've walked back there to the chalkboard this morning. You saw his wife. You have no idea what was written on there by those teachers the entire week. And God has chosen to forget. The Bible says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. I will what? Remember the Day of Atonement? The, the most important day in the Jewish calendar of Leviticus, chapter 16, God devoted an entire chapter of the Bible to it. You have the most solemn and serious day in, in the Jewish calendar where Aaron the high priest would take those two goats, he'd take them up to the door of the tabernacle. One would be slain as a sacrifice and the blood spread upon the altar. That was the only day of the year the high priest could go into the holy of holies and what was done with the other goat. The sins of the priest and then the sins of the nation were confessed and that goat was sent out. It's called the what? The scapegoat sent out to the wilderness to be seen no more. Forever disappear. You know what God did with your sin? He said, if you don't catch it, I'm going to write a chapter in the Bible to help you understand it. Your sin is, so man remembers it, your wife remembers it, and your children remember it, and even your best friends remember it. But God said, I can remember everything from eternity past to eternity future, except for your sins, because I forgave that. This woman at this point will have no eternal record. Now, it also goes me to Romans 5.1. It's not just the record of sin, but it's the guilt. You don't have to walk around with the guilt of sin. If you understand forgiveness, you're not going to live with guilt. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace. We have peace. You might not have peace with your wife. You might not have peace with your family, your neighbors, your boss. But you can have peace with God through forgiveness isn't it amazing? This woman, despite her past, was at total peace with Jesus Christ, washing his feet. You know how that happens? Forgiveness. Look what it says in verse 9. It's not just the guilt of sin, thank God. Uh, forgiveness eliminates the penalty of sin. But God, uh, for scarcely for a righteous man, one die yet preventure for a good man, somebody even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, much more than being now what? Justified, justified just, if, just as if I had never sinned, justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? Through him, the forgiveness of sins means the penalty of sin is gone. Now go back with me to Luke chapter 7. Look what it says in verse 42. His forgiveness is just. His forgiveness is complete. Look what it says, verse 42. When they had nothing, they had absolutely nothing to pay. I owe God everything, but I have nothing. Let's say that together. I have nothing to pay. You cannot get saved until you understand that. Let's say it one more time. 
I have nothing to pay. How many of you got saved the moment you understood you had nothing to pay? You were penniless. You know what would keep you from getting saved? You think that you can keep paying off God. They had nothing to pay. Here's what he's telling Simon. Simon, she realized she had nothing to pay. You don't understand it. Now, I love the next three words. He frankly forgave. Both bankrupt. We're talking about grace. All grace. Forgiveness is an act of the riches of his grace. Go to me to Ephesians 1, verse 7. When Paul writes about the grace of God, he uses superlatives, adjectives every time to describe the matchless, marvelous, amazing grace. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The what? The forgiveness of sins. How does that happen? According to the riches. You know why there are limits to our forgiveness? Because there's limits to our grace. When we talk about another human being, we don't talk about the riches of their grace. I know people that are full of grace, but you don't say, oh, the riches of their grace. That makes you laugh trying to spit it out. Only God, only God, only Christ, only the Messiah. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 7. Then the ages to come, he might show thee what? Exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ. For by grace are you saved. That's only grace. Forgiveness is totally based upon grace. And that's what this crowd could not comprehend. When she walked in the door, they said, surely his grace must be limited because knowing this woman, what did Simon think? Had, had, he says he's a prophet, but had he been a prophet, he would have known. She does not deserve this because it would take too much Grace, but you're talking about the riches. Now, hold on for a minute. You're pious, you're sitting in church, you got a suit and tie, you're dressed like a Christian. But why don't we start talking about your sins over the past 12 months? The lies, the twisting of the truth, the thoughts, the lust, the ill treatment of others, the frustration, the Words that have come through your mouth and 12 months. What, what if we go back a decade? Yeah, yeah just, just, just a decade. Would your wife forgive you if we just spelled out every sin you had committed, thought and deed for the past 10 years? The riches of his grace. Here's what we see in the forgiveness here in this story. This is all about the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do with, with her washing his feet. This had everything to do with the loving kindness of Jesus Christ. Now go back with me to Luke chapter 7. Here's a problem. The forgiveness we're talking about, it's offered to all. It's just not received by all. So here's what he says in verse 41. He says, certain creditor, two debtors, one owed 500, and the other 50, they both had nothing to pay, and he frankly forgave. He offered to both. Now, let me ask you this. He's telling a story, and he's saying, okay, the difference in what they owed, let's just be honest, there are people sitting in here, send a whole lot less than others. There's some that have been raised in church, 
There are some that never tasted alcohol, some that have never cursed, some that have never been to a bar, never smoked a cigarette, and others, whatever sin's on the list, has been checked off, not once or twice, but repeatedly over the course of their life. So some of you in here, you owe 500, and some owe 50. You know how it's easy to find the ones that owe 500? They're the ones that smile a little bigger when we talk about forgiveness. And the ones that owe 50 are those that sit a little more piously, never crack a smile and say, yeah, the more I think about it, God's a little bit, he's been a little good to me. He's been occasionally good to me. That's a Pharisee. That's Simon sitting over there saying, this, this hustler, this whore, this wicked, evil person, how, how could you reach out in grace and offer forgiveness to her? Look at me. I don't even need it. Guess, guess what happens? One leaves forgiven and the other does not. You know who will sit and have forgiveness offered and yet reject it? It's the Pharisee who says in their heart, I don't need forgiveness. I'll earn my salvation. Salvation is faith plus works. It is God forgiving part of my debt, the small part of my debt, and I'll make payments for the rest of my debt. Forgiveness is offered to all. It's just not received. It's not experienced by all. And that's why Christ on the cross, when he looked out in Luke at 23 and said, Father, forgive them. He, he offered forgiveness to all. Now, let me ask you this. How many in that crowd that watched him crucified actually asked for forgiveness? Everyone there could have received it. And everyone in this house could have received forgiveness. Did not. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world. But that the world, the world, the entire world, God is looking down from heaven at eight billion souls and saying, forgiveness is available for every one of you. But today people that fill church will kick back and say, I don't need forgiveness because I'm lighting candles and I'm attending church and I knock on doors and I talk about Jehovah and I've been baptized and I have something to pay. God said, those are plastic tokens and I don't accept those. It's all fake money. Right. Now, here's, here's what's required. Forgiveness offered all. There's only a problem. It, we, we've stopped preaching this. Forgiveness is totally dependent upon repentance. You don't just come get forgiveness because you say, oh, blah, 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 I'm not that bad. I should be acceptable. Anyways, God, uh, I've heard people say that you accept me as I am. And so I'm going to come, and we understand, we'll sing the song just as I am, but we do understand, if you do not come as you are with a heart of repentance, and you do the same, matter of fact, you, you, you do it to a degree that's not even godly. You try to measure people's repentance, and you can't even measure it, and if they crawled on their hands and knees, you'd still say, that's not repenting enough. Verse 38, look at this woman and her repentance. She stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet, anointed. This is humility. It says, I'm not worthy of anything, but with a heart of gratitude, I understand you're extending grace to me. Just a couple chapters further down, we see in Luke, two men that come to the temple to pray. And what's a Pharisee do? The same category, stands up each his chest, says, I'm glad I'm not like this man. Yeah, I tithe and I fast and I'm a good person. And the other one says, Lord, be merciful to me. And God said, one went down justified and the other one did not. Why? What was the difference between the two? 
repentance, except ye repent. Now, we got to the message. Look what it says in verse 43. Simon answered and said, no, go back to verse 42. So he finishes the parable with nothing to pay, frankly, for them both. Then he asked the question, tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? If he forgave one 500 pence, the other 50 pence, he forgave them both, which one's going to love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said to him, thou was rightly judged. And then he turns to the woman, and he says unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. Now that was normal hospitality. For someone to walk in and have water to wash their feet, but they, he didn't get any at this house. He said, but she washed my feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with the hairs of her head. And that, thou gavest me no kiss, which was customary to walk in the door, and someone be kissed on the cheek. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased not to kiss my cheek, but to kiss my feet. And my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Let me say number seven. The greater the understanding of forgiveness, the greater the love. You know why there are so many that aren't lavish? Because in their hearts, they've never considered how much they've been forgiven. You know those that don't care, they just want to love Christ. They don't care what others think. They just want to love on Christ. They just want to be at his feet. They don't care who's, who's looking over there and saying that you're making a scene. You, you said amen way too loud and you're singing uh, too hardly unto the Lord. And you, you gave way too much and that's too great of sacrifice. And you shouldn't have poured out all that ointment. And you shouldn't have been at his feet in the presence of all those men and when someone's been forgiven a lot, they, they don't care. They're the ones that are just saying, I, I love him. And it, I don't, if you're silent, if, if you're quiet, if you're holy, if your tie gets ruffled, be careful because when I take a lap around the auditorium, I might trip over your purse and land in your lap. You know, we have a very pharisaical Christianity that doesn't know how to express love because they've never considered now, here's the problem in Christianity. There's some that think he's only forgiven 50 pence. But your pride, you've got about 300 pence worth of pride. Pride alone. And that pride's a whole lot more deadly than that cigarette. And that pride's a whole lot more deadly than those drugs. And that pride's a whole lot greater addiction than whatever sin you're poking at or looking at in someone else's life. Maybe you're carrying around 600 pence worth of sin, you Pharisee. But you're kicked back looking at someone else because they walked in with a tattoo on their neck and hair three different colors and they can't even remember what the original color is. And here's this woman who simply said, I understand how much I've been forgiven. Now look what it says in chapter 8. Came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. 
And the 12, those are the ones we think about, the 12, the disciples. But he said, hold on, there was someone else traveling with him. And those were the ones that were financing the work because the disciples didn't have the jingle to finance. They had stopped fishing. They had stopped collecting taxes. They had, they'd given up their profession. Verse 2, and certain what? Grateful, forgiven women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart. Susanna, many others, which ministered unto him with what? Hold on, don't think for a second that this is an accident. Don't let the chapter division throw you for a loop. Christ is trying to tell you here. Here is one of those women, forgiven much, looked down upon, broke up a party, broke up alabaster box of ointment, in love, scandalous, grateful, love. Everyone else said, get rid of her. Here's a woman that's going to follow Christ and finance his ministry. Women. Here's what I found out a long time ago. A lot of women have financed God's ministry. Because men have more pride and less love. Let me ask you this morning. Do you, do you understand God's forgiveness? You can't get saved until you do. Because you owe a debt, and in your mind it may be less. It's not, but in your mind it may be less. But, but frankly, he could have put frankly twice in this verse. Frankly, you have nothing to pay. And frankly, he'll forgive you, even though you don't have a penny in your pocket. So the first thing you need to do is humble yourself today and say, I need that forgiveness and I need to stop pulling out my plastic tokens like a kid in the grocery store and saying, Mom, would you please use my wooden nickel? And she says, Son, save that for a different occasion. That's fake money. Whatever you're carrying around that you think is going to please God is fake money. But frankly, frankly, that's a fake nickel. But frankly, he doesn't care. Frankly, he's already assumed the debt. He's offering you eternal life if you just come in humility and receive it. Now hold on to the second group, to the Christian this morning. Have you ever been scandalous in your love? For, has anybody ever said, that's, that's way over the top? That, that love is way over the top. Or would, it, would anyone even know you're in love? Or would they say, that's, that's excessive love. Tone it down. Calm it down. You don't have to give that much. You don't have to do that much. You don't have to sacrifice that much. You don't have to praise that much. That's excessive. Would you ever in the course of your life be accused of excessive love? Say, how do I get that, preacher? You meditate on the debt. Because in your case, I don't think it was a car payment he took over. It was a big house in Circle C. 